All right. Welcome, everyone, back to the Soma Mama podcast. I am so excited to share with you our beautiful, wonderful guest today. Natalia VB is her name, and she just has an abundance of wealth, knowledge, and experience to share with you. And this is a fun episode because I'm just getting to know Natalia more myself. Um, we have also connected through Emily Castle's Women Up Community. It is a female entrepreneurs collective. I will pop the information in the show notes because if it's something that resonates with you or calls out to you, it is something that you can be a part of as well. And I have had one other guest that I met uh, through Woman Up on the podcast as well. And so it's just been a beautiful, energetic zorb of wonderful connections mm -hmm. and, and walking beside the women that are doing similar yet different work in this world and feeling very, very supported in that process, right? It's not, we're not in competition. We're not, even if we're doing similar work, it's all backed behind abundance and love and support. Um, so please reach out to me. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Natalia as well, because she has worked with Emily Castle um, in other ways as well. And yeah, without further ado, I'm going to have Natalia uh, inter er, introduce us to um, introduce herself to us is what I'm trying to say and give us a little bit more information about the work that she does and, and how she's come to where she is now. So take it. Yeah. Away. So nice to meet you. First of all, you're like a light worker. I can tell when you talk, you just, you're so radiant. So thank you for having me on this podcast, but yeah, I'm Natalia. I'm a relationship coach. I help people to heal their relationship patterns and return to love because love is what life is all about. Relationships dictate the quality of our lives. Yes, so many of us are in unconscious, unhealthy relationships, which that started to make me intrigued and curious about why do we believe love is so easy? Why do we believe that relationships are also very easy to obtain when we don't try to learn the skills to be able to have a healthy relationship? So that's the moment that I realized there's a huge need to work on not only healing the deep wounds within ourselves that go way back into childhood, but also we need to learn healthy relational skills that just allows us to have a conscious relationship. So that's kind of what started this work. I saw this need and it became my mission. I said, you know, I really want to help people to return to love, but before I got into this, I was stuck into the mental health system for so long. I got so burnt out because the system, if you've ever been in it, in mental health, it's very, it's brutal. You know, it's kind of like being a nurse where you have to work 24 seven, you become, you feel like a slave to the system because you, you're helping people 24 seven, right? Plus you're getting low pay within the mental health system right in the beginning. So that's what kind of created this, this opening, I call it for myself, where I thought, what else can I do with my work? Because the start of my work started with a master's in clinical mental health counseling, a bachelor's in psychology and a certification in life coaching. That was the start of my work. And I really, the one, the one reason why I really entered this field is because I loved learning about human behavior, but that came from the painful experiences that I encountered going through 
a home of domestic violence. That is what originally created this, this opening to learn about relationships. What makes a good marriage? What makes a healthy, loving partnership? So that eventually led me into this work of coaching where I decided I'm going to create my own path. I don't have to do this work that's nine to five that everybody expects of you after you graduate from psychology, that where you have to get this license, where you have to be a clinical therapist diagnosing everybody. Because unfortunately, what I saw was a lot of abuse within the system, which led me into this place of not feeling satisfied with my work because I wanted to do more. So that's what led me into this work. And of course, this is one thing I say I can, I'm sure a lot of life coaches can relate to this, but it's never something that you fall into, but it's something, or it's never something that you seek out, but it's something you fall into, right? Because when I became a life coach, basically it was my life experiences, my heartbreak, my grief, my the trauma I've been through that led me here to be able to say, okay, now. Now's the time I can heal people and help serve people in the way that I want to, because I've now lived it myself. So I think that's the difference between wanting just to help people and you've never really been through it yourself versus like, no, I've been through this. I know how hard it is. I know how hard, like in my case, heartbreak is, right? I've been through tremendous grief and now I'm ready to serve because I've been through that. So that's originally what led me to my mission of returning to love. Mm, oh, I, I, and I so love that. I'm obviously the work that I do in this world is so somatic and feel, feeling based. I am an empath and a highly sensitive person. So when I, I hear you speak, Natalia, I can feel that and that the, what you ended on there, the like, that's how my work was informed, right? Returning to love. And when, yeah. we, when we bring spirituality into the conversation and I, I won't go down this rabbit hole right now, at least, but that's, that's beautiful. Like going through the process ourselves, right? Go, digging through the mud, like sitting in the muck and yuck. It's, it's part of the journey to inform our, our purpose, our essence, and and where we are headed to, right? And for those of you who who know astrology, you know, you could view that as like your north node and your south node, right? In our natal charts, we talk about where you're coming from into this in this lifetime and then where you're headed to. But we've got these mumbly jumbly bumps along the road and along the way um, that somehow get us there. Right. And, and I, I know- like the painful moments are still so beautiful, which is what I tell my clients, because, you know, even within grief and grief is about loss. Right. Which is inevitable in life because everybody's going to encounter loss and you're hardwired to experience loss. So grief never defines us. Right. But when we experience grief, it is a beautiful moment. It is an opportunity to start to change the way that you do things. Because normally when you, especially in relationship patterns, like relationship issues, like heartbreak, breakups, whatever, like romantic relationships really teach us the most about ourselves because it's like a mirror reflecting back pieces of ourselves and pieces of our identity that we've lost along the way. Right. And normally, like a lot of these pieces that we've lost go way back into childhood. So we have to go back into our family dynamics, our family systems. What were the roles that everybody played to be able to change 
the adult relationships that we play today, because a lot of it is unconscious, but once we become conscious of these wounds that we have, we create these healthier relationships that can last longer, but not just like, it's not just about like the length of time, but it's longer, but it's also happier. Right. And I think like, that's the number one thing I always tell people because now we live in a modern world where there are more divorces than there were before. Right. But the difference is is that before people stayed in relationships that weren't healthy because society expected that, you know, they wanted you to, and you were codependent, especially for women. But the difference is now we have the ability to leave. So a lot of women are becoming independent where they're financially independent. They be, they can leave a relationship when it's abusive. They can leave a relationship when it's unhealthy and they can say, this isn't for me. Right. And it gives you an opportunity to be able to cultivate the relational skills that you need, heal the deep wounds that go way back into your childhood, but also call in the love that you actually want, which rarely happens when you're in your twenties. Because when you're in your 20s, this is the misconception in life. When you're in your 20s, like, you don't know much about yourself, right? You don't know much about relationships. That is so true. I, I've been in so many conversations um, about, like, the mid, mid or quarter-life breakthrough slash quarter-life crisis lately. And I myself can attest to that as well. And I'm, I'm still in my twenties. Actually, I'm in my late twenties. And, um, but there's even such a difference between my early twenties and passing the threshold and my year. I mean, truly candidly, my years of sifting through the muck and yuck were like 24 to 27. And it's like, we feel like, and I guess I'll speak for myself. I felt like I knew so much and I, learned I knew so little. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of my defining moments that I always come back to, I was 24 years old. I was in the darkest period of my life to date. And I was sitting in my therapist's office and I remember looking at her. It was almost an out of body experience because I remember looking at her thinking and feeling like I want to be there. I want to be that. I want to be a counselor of people or a a teacher or coach or like, that is me. That's my essence. And I'm here right now, like on the other side. And I feel so far away from that. And of course, at the time I was dealing with um, imposter syndrome and like the, the whole like credentialed enough limiting belief. And I was like, I'm so like, there's no way. And I remember my therapist telling me like, Courtney, this is part of your journey. And even though it doesn't feel like it right now, which it didn't, and I was so disassociated from my body and I was in the depths of my mental experience. She was like, it is beautiful. And there is an other side and you will yeah. get through it. And yeah, I mean, that's a perfect segue, Natalia, to like, do you want to tell us a little bit uh, more about your personal shadow side work? Obviously, go into however much depth you want to, but the experiences in which have that have informed your work um, that you do and the way in which you approach uh, one-on-one client work. Yeah, so a lot of this work, again, it's not just like that I seek this out, I fell into it because of my life experiences. So One thing that I always tell people too, so it's kind of crazy. At the age of 12, I was already reading self-help books, 
which is kind of odd, but I grew up in a home of domestic violence. So that was my way of healing myself at a very young age and just trying to find some sort of safety and some sort of normality, I guess, with what I was going through. So I started reading self-help books. My family was very spiritual too. So that kind of led me into this spiritual path that I take today. That's, it's still grounded, you know, it's grounded into um, what everybody goes through in life, no matter what religion you are. But that's what kind of led me into the work of psychology. So like my work in psychology started at 18, but also I started a 10 year relationship at age 18. So it was basically like a marriage where I was in this relationship that was really healthy in the sense where this person loved me very much. He was very giving to me like a best friend, but there was no romantic connection. So one thing I tell people too, is like, it's not just about that connection where you feel like this person aligns with me as a friend, they're good to me, they're a good partner, but you do have to feel that romantic connection to make it a romantic relationship, right? So what happened with me was that I repressed my sexuality because, and I knew that years, years later after doing the healing work, because I repressed it. Cause I felt like people made me feel like I wasn't allowed to be sexual, which is, I guess it's kind of weird to say, but then I, what made me feel like that was my mom. She always made me feel really fearful about having sex, about being sexual. So that started to come into play with my relationships. And also once I was in high school and middle school, I got a lot of attention from boys and I felt like it wasn't okay. That's what started my relationship dynamic of like going after people who I wasn't romantically attracted to, but there was a shield within myself where I was protecting myself, right? Against somebody that I really wanted to cultivate. So once I got out of that relationship, I actually didn't experience a lot of heartbreak, which is very strange. After 10 years, I thought to myself, okay. That's kind of weird. I didn't experience any like intense heartbreak or grief. So I just kind of moved on. And then I started dating and I experienced, unfortunately, sexual abuse because I was calling in guys who did actually call in that romantic attraction. There's a lot of passion there, but unfortunately, it was very emotionally abusive, plus physically abusive. When you count in the sexual abuse, it's not okay, right? But I was a girl who didn't learn how to use her boundaries. So one thing I teach people today is that when you have a healthy relationship, you have to use your boundaries. You need to know how do you want to be treated because this is going to lead you into a healthier, unhealthy relationship, right? So I was going down this unhealthy path, the unhealthy path because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't express my boundaries. I couldn't follow through with them because I felt guilty. Because I was a quote unquote empath who felt like I should put other people's feelings before my own, right? So I repressed my feelings. So that was kind of the start of this relational pattern of calling in people who weren't respectful of me, who didn't treat me well, who controlled me. And yet I had this intense, passionate chemistry with So the one thing that I tell people is that when you experience 
this intensity with people, this intense sexual attraction, most of the time it's because you have unhealed childhood wounds that are still laying within you that they're going to shine a light on, right? So whatever painful experiences that you encounter along the way relationally, they're actually telling you what wounds need to be healed within yourself. So that was kind of the beginning of realizing something's not right. Like, why am I attracting the same person, right? My second relationship was also a good man. He was very kind to me, but it didn't work out because of timing. But the third relationship is what led me to this work because it was a very painful breakup where I experienced that really heavy grief where I thought to myself, what is my, what's the point of my life? You know, like I gave my whole self to this person, but the unfortunate thing was I didn't realize that until it was over. (laughs) Like a lot of people and you realize, oh, you know, I was a little codependent in this relationship. So that's what happened to me. And that's where my healing work began because I had so much grief because I thought this person was a love in my life. But when I started to do the healing work, I realized there's so much emotional abuse that was happening on his end to shine a light within myself that I was repressing my feelings to connect with another, to receive love from another person. Because when I was a child within a home of domestic violence, I didn't receive that. So that's where the healing work began. And I thought, wow, this is really all about family systems. It's about the family roles that you unconsciously play that plays within your adult relationships. But also it's about developing skills to create a conscious relationship where you're able to be able to be conscious of the wounds that you have. So when you go into conflict with another person, you can see that, oh, This conflict is showing me the wound that I have of abandonment, of unworthiness, of whatever you're experiencing, which can help you tremendously in conflict and communication, right? And that's the difference between a relationship that's growth-oriented and a relationship that's, you know, pain-oriented, because when a relationship is more painful than it is healing, it really hurts us tremendously. But it's also an awakening that there was so much more for us to heal. And we have to go way back, usually into our family dynamics. Yes. Yeah. And the analogy that's coming up for me there is like putting salt on the wound, right? And and feeling that like it's, oh, it's still there and it still hurts, right? But the analogy here being these wounds that are masked, they're emotional wounds, uh, more, mo- like, more likely, most likely. Um, and we might not be aware of them consciously until they're presented to us or through another person, um, which often happens or a dynamic or maybe in an environment. And um, I can one so much relate to to your journey um, in my own way, but almost eerily similar in that I grew up in a household with an alcoholic father. And I remember even in high school setting a goal for myself that um, I wouldn't even have a boyfriend and I wouldn't have sex because I had two older sisters and I observed what was happening in their relational dynamics as adolescent teenagers 
Um, and then I hopped into a, this was very interesting, again, not conscious of it at the time, but a four-year relationship with a man located overseas while I was in university, while I was an undergrad, um, because it felt safe to me. He felt like a brother almost. There was very little romantic chemistry, um, but it also felt safe that I had someone that like I was in a relationship, thus I couldn't like partake in any of the college one night stand, any of that, because that petrified me. And then popping out that out of that relationship, I call it my adolescent period. At this point, I was about 24 years old. I hopped into a very like a narcissistic empath fatal attraction dynamic. And luckily that didn't last long. Um, but I was like, whoa. And you know, so much self-shame came up and surfaced because I was telling myself like, Courtney, you are confident woman. You know, you're better than this. Why are you here? Why? And again, like my therapist reiterated, like, Hey court, it's been six months. It's been six months of your life, not 25 years, right? Like you're past it. Yes, that's like, that sucked, but you have the wherewithal and the inner knowing to, to get yourself out of a dynamic like that. And I want to know, Natalia, like with the work that you do, and of course, respecting your client's confidentiality, first and foremost, is there like a format that you use to approach working with your clients? Or is it very individualized? Do you work with your intuition? How does that how does that look for you? Yeah, well, I love what you said. First of all, I think that's very common with a lot of people. Because just to touch on the empath part a little bit first, the empath part is something I hear from a lot of people. Because a lot of people will say, well, you know, and me included, by the way. So I, I always call myself a recovering empath <laughs> because a lot of people will say, well, I'm an empath and that's why I end up in these situations. But what we don't realize is that when we label ourselves as an empath, we're actually unconsciously saying that we repress our feelings to for another person to be able to save somebody else. We have to abandon ourselves. That is the moment that you know you're in an unhealthy relationship because it includes self-abandonment, right? And so empaths need to realize that, yes, it's okay to be empathetic. Of course, that's a beautiful quality. I consider myself one. However, at the same time, it's so important to be able to tune into your feelings and express that. When you feel like something's not right, when you're feeling disrespected, you need to be able to express that and then follow through with consequences because then you no longer will be a victim to, let's say, narcissists, to people who are more like a persecutor role, who is somebody who needs control over you. So you can start to weed out people who are not good for you. So that's a very important thing. But yeah, like, you know, a lot of my work is it's very structured within. So I have a four month one on one coaching program called Awaken, which is so powerful. And I really love what I created because not only does this like reflect the work that I learned throughout my entire career studying psychology since, well, really age 12, because I started reading self-help books, but then 18, I started my degree, right? And I became a therapist. 
like that reflects all of the things that I've learned, but also it reflects my life experience. The people that I worked with in private practice in Boston and the center of the city where they were having relationship issues. So a lot of the exercises that I include really incorporates what I've learned along the way. So it's very structured. It creates a safe container for people to be able to follow. It's an eight module course that goes through the different things that you need to learn to get to a healthy relationship, to be able to let go of heartbreak of relationships that are unhealthy, that may be toxic for you. So you have to learn certain skills to do that. So my work is, it's partly very intuitive where I really work with people with their emotions, with what I'm feeling with them, with their hearts, with what I'm receiving energetically from them, which is more spiritual. But I combine that with the knowledge and the structure that creates that grounding experience where we go through certain modules to get to the place that you need to be. Yes, yes, that I love that. And I I have a deep, deep appreciation for that approach, be it my water sign and perhaps yours as well in loving that sense of fluidity in individualization, right? And as you were, as I heard you say, reflecting in your mental health um, professional experience, you felt that sense of resistance against the structure right in the format that yeah. systematically felt very toxic and and not creative inducing right and there was less room for individuality and i do if we're speaking to just touching on collective conscious which this is something that's come up in a lot of the trainings and conversations i've been in lately in that there has been we're, we're working with a completely different i guess quote market but i hate to put that term on humans, like on society post pandemic. And of course, we're still amidst some COVID-ness. But there has been this (laughs) uprising of of collective conscious and people moving towards getting a life coach, getting a relationship coach, getting the business coach, moving away from maybe their corporate job that didn't serve them or not even leaving it, right? It doesn't have to be from zero to a hundred, but starting to ask, I like to put it in the sense of like asking more of themselves and asking more of their soul. And I like, not I'm going to take on everything, but in a like, these are my values and these are my non-negotiables. And yes, I am going to speak them to my corporate boss, right? And if that ends with a severance package and an invitation to leave, great. You know what? I'll take that. And so it's, I, I mentioned that and it's surfacing, I guess maybe someone needs to hear this and that, um, yeah, we are working with an, different people and different consciences, conscious eye <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. um, then even two years ago and five years ago and decades ago. Well, for sure. You know, even within my friends, we're still in therapy till this day. They're therapists, licensed clinicians. They even told me like a lot of their work now is virtual because after COVID, a lot of people switched into let's do Zoom calls, let's do Skype calls, let's do, you know, more virtual work where I don't have to necessarily drop my things and go to a place to be able to get help, right? That is the beauty of technology. I do feel like not only does social media 
change the way that we start to not only reflect on mental health, because mental health is becoming more of a topic nowadays than it used to. So that's really powerful. And I'm so thankful for that about uh, social media. But the other thing is that people, they're wanting more conveniency within their lives, right? So after, after COVID, I found that people don't necessarily need to go into an office to get mental health work, which is not something that I originally thought of so much after my mental health degree back in 2015, because I thought, well, you know, if people are going to get mental health work, they're going to probably seek out a licensed professional, go to an office, whatever. But that's actually when I originally met Emily, who was doing um, not woman up, but at that time she was doing coaching and just focusing on that. Like she shed an example of like, what you can do virtually and globally, and you can call in so many people who are not even in the area that you live in. So I thought that was so powerful for mental health, because this is a topic that not only mental health, but specifically what I do relationships, that is something that impacts so many people's lives and is the most, that's the most important thing you can, you can have within your life. It dictates the quality of your entire world, right? Because the people you surround yourself with, they really reflect the way that you think about yourself. So that's why I always tell people, if you're in a really unhealthy relationship, if you feel like you're in this abusive relationship, whether that's physical or emotional, if it's physical, definitely go see a licensed clinician because they do have the resources to go help you to get out of that. That is not a coach's job. But if let's say if you're in an emotional abusive relationship, it's still abuse. It's still unhealthy. And so it's still important to be able to go seek help. You can do that virtually. You can do that through social media, looking at free content. I know I give out free content. You give out amazing content with somatic healing, somatic movement and breathing, which is all so important because one thing that I've noticed with relationships is that people do not have the emotional fluency skills to be able to process their own emotions. When you don't have that emotional processing skills, you can't create that safe container for your partner to do the same. So that's why I love the work that you do, because it really creates that safe space within yourself where you can create that container for your partner to be able to express their emotions, right? No matter if it's good or bad or, you know, happy or sad or whatever, now, because you can actually process your own self, your own feelings, your own emotions, you now can create space for your partner to go to you. That, oh, that is so true. And that's hitting, really hitting me on another level in like the, the, I guess the mantra or the invitation that's coming up for me is when you, when you bring action to something such as setting a boundary or saying no or speaking your feelings within the within the context of a relationship you're also opening up the invitation for the recipient or the receiver to do the same and this is something that i carry in most i mean every yoga class i teach i 
it will just, you know, and these, my cues will just flow out of me, but I like really speaking or bringing action to one or the other, like this is my offering. And I, and I want you to know it's okay to do the same, right? It's okay for you to bring that as well. And that said, like that being said, it does, it does take doing the inner work. And as you said, it does take building that emotional intelligence or that emotional fluency, which I'm so appreciative that you pointed that out as um, for folks like you and I, that's, that's, that's a natural gift. That's something that's very, very innate. And for many of folks, it's not. And, you know, they might look at someone such as you and I and be like, wow, you know, how do I articulate my myself in such a way? And similarly, I look at, for example, my partner is uh, is a Virgo and he he's very head oriented and very logical. And he does. He, he's also very emotive. But there'll be times where he's taught me the times in which it's appropriate for me to take emotion out of a very simple like logistics based conversation whereas before and and it was trauma like trauma that wasn't dealt with but I, all of our conversations were very emotionally charged and one thing i say because i do have a or he says and i do have a lot of humility he'll say courts it's not that deep it's not that deep and it'll like <laughs> snap it'll just like snap with the finger it'll take me right out of it and i'm like oh yeah you're right and to be fair, when the moments are that deep, right, when the topic is, quote, that deep, I will I will say that I will advocate on behalf of that. Right. And he will know, no, this this really is this deep. But for someone <laughs> who is a very emotionally charged person, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, like I can I can take my little like Pandora's You're like, what? Like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, when people are very like analytical, logic based, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. You know, um, so I admire that as well. But that's something that doesn't come. Yeah. Perhaps. But I do have to say there is something when you go through grief and heartbreak, for instance, the and very heavy emotions, because life is going to give you that no matter who you are, like at some point in life, you're going to deal with very hard strategies and very hard challenges to deal with. These situations require emotional fluency, not logic, which a lot of people misunderstand. And I think that's unconscious because a lot of people consciously, they try to forget about the situation. They try to repress their pain. They want to get over it fast. They don't want to appear sad you know, all that kind of stuff that people do. They distract themselves with work or with men. Sometimes within a breakup, they might try to add people on social media who look sexually attractive and it becomes an addiction, right? These are all things of distractions from pain. So the moment that you start to realize that, okay, you know what? When you deal with an emotional issue that's very emotionally charging, it's a trigger, it's you know, may feel like grief to you, heartbreak, things like that. You have to, you have to face it with your feelings and not your head, not your mind. That is very different to your logic than dealing with an issue with your heart. The way that you go about the issue, it's going to change the way that you move through it, but also the result that you see in the end. So one thing that I tell people is that the moment you try to think your way through pain, the moment you're going to fail at getting through the pain, you're going to carry unresolved, unhealed wounds 
that will show up in relationships because that's how our teachers show up through our partners, right? You have to feel the feelings that you're going through. You have to feel the pain. You have to feel the wounds to be able to move through so you can heal that plus become the person that you want to become. That is not associated with logic. It's not associated with anything with a mind or thought-based and stuff. Like it's all about the heart. You have to feel what you're going through. And I always tell people, your heart is doing what its job. It's doing its job in the sense where whatever you feel, you're supposed to feel it. So let it. No matter if it's good or bad, because we associate heartbreak and grief as bad, you're still supposed to feel it. Grief and heartbreak is natural, normal, and healthy. It's a response that happens when you physically lose someone that you love. You can no longer give love to them physically, right? So many people want to repress grief, which is actually multiple emotions within one, not one emotion, which people don't realize. And people try to repress that because they don't want to feel the heaviness of grief. But grief is actually a gift that will happen to every single person on this planet. There's no escaping loss within the human experience. We will have to face that. But we have to realize that grief doesn't define who we are as a person. Grief is a gift for us to look within ourselves and see what needs to be healed. What is the wounds that need to be resolved within myself that I've been neglecting throughout the years. That's the beauty of relationships and looking when you start to face grief and you start to look at your pain, you can start to become conscious of the things that you have to heal within yourself. Mm, Yes. Yes. And I do. I so appreciate that contextual discernment between emotional fluency and quote thinking our way through things. Right. And I, from the systematic perspective, when you mentioned like it's the, the distinction, distinction, excuse me, between the mind and the heart, I'm like, yes. And the entire body, right? Like emotions are held in the hips. They're held in the big toe. They're held in the shoulders. They're held, held in the neck. And as a somatic body worker myself and a cranial sacral therapist, I see this every time I work with a client, right? And I think the beauty of the beholder or the practitioner is like, you'll often, you often will get clients, especially with body work that are like, hey, my left shoulder hurts, you know? And of course I'm like, okay, left side is feminine. Like, okay, how, how are their relationships with mom or with females in their life? Like, so I'll kind of, slyly bring out those questions, right? It doesn't have to be a very targeted like bullet point list, but in our natural conversation, I'll try to just discuss these things even while I'm offering body work, right? Because the body keeps the score as Dr. Bessel Vandercock says, like there is just like these experiences, there's a reason why they'll come back around from a felt experience perspective be it stored trauma physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I even want to tap in on ancestral trauma. And even, I don't want to go as far as tagging trauma onto the soul, but every soul comes into this earth with a 
certain and unique lesson that they will live out in this lifetime, right? So I'm even thinking of the example of like a child that grew up in the in a very healthy home with a very healthy loving relationship as an example. And as they grew into their adolescence and adulthood, they freaking took a bender and, you know, chose a very toxic partner or had trouble with substance abuse. And like, it's really hard when you go back to the nature versus nurture conversation to say like, well, their environment was, was great. Right. And there's so much, like so much that we don't know behind closed doors. I would do want to speak to that, but sometimes it's like, Hey, look, and that's why I kind of geek out with astrology because you can get a little bit of an indication yeah. of like, this is your soul's path. And even sure. to a, an age or a date in life or in a certain area, such as home, professional romance, etc. Um, so yeah. And I like, I, I feel like the topic of ancestral trauma is coming up a lot more as well. And even the held somatic experience of a baby in utero as mom is holding as pregnant with you. Right. So even going as far back and grandma, right? We are an egg within our mother when our mother is in utero and grandma. So it's this ripple effect and asking how is grandma's pregnancy? What happened? What were the life events, right? And then we bring in epigenetics into the conversation. And then we ask mom, how was your pregnancy? How was your relation, were your relationships while you were pregnant? What happened? Were there any big moves? Were there any big changes, any financial gain, loss, etc.? cetera? Um, which can indicate and inform our felt sense, which is held within our central nervous system. That is so beautiful. And I really resonate with that too, because what you're basically saying is that generationally speaking, we carry the wounds within our family, right? And that's why I really focus on family systems, because once you start to really take a deep look at what did your mom go through? What did your dad go through? What did your grandparents believe in? What were the messages that were passed on generationally speaking? You can start to see the patterns. So sometimes people, when they go through, when they have like a healthy family dynamic, let's say where they felt like, you know, on the outside, their parents weren't divorced. They had a good family home. They're all close, but somehow they still ended up in a relationship that was toxic. That's still probable because let's talk about like relationally speaking, People are not perfect. So despite the fact that their family had a healthy relationship and that their family got along well and they had the quote unquote perfect family life, it doesn't mean that they're free of all wounds, right? And so even if you're a secure attacher, if we're going to talk about attachment theory, secure attachers are really people who they're able to create a boundary within self and other, plus they don't fear intimacy. Right. And that really indicates whether you're secure attacher or you can be an anxious or avoidant attacher. What happens is people that are secure, they can have the ultimate healthy family dynamic, but it doesn't mean that they're never going to have wounds within themselves to heal because nobody on this earth is a perfect person. That is the mistake that a lot of people make 
when we start to compare ourselves, right? We start to compare ourselves to other people where we feel like, okay, like this person has it all. They have the perfect family or whatever, especially on social media. We can start to create that comparison within ourselves. But once we realize that, listen, we're all human, we all carry wounds and pains and fears within ourselves. Just because we had a healthy family dynamic doesn't mean we're free of wounds. That's the moment we can start to free yourself and become conscious of the pain that you carry, generationally speaking, which really does create a change within your relationship dynamics once you become conscious of that and you start to heal that. The, I think the, the one thing I want to make note of too is that a lot of people feel like once you heal these things, are you healed for the rest of your life? I had some people ask me that like, well, you know, I work so hard to heal myself and why am I still attracting certain people into my life? Because we're people, we're human beings. We will always have something to heal, right? But the difference between an unconscious relationship and a conscious relationship is that conscious relationships will be mindful of the wounds that they need to heal. They're going to be able to have humility and hold accountability to be able to look at themselves and say, this is something that I need to work on versus the unconscious relationship or unhealthy relationship dynamic will not be conscious of their wounds and they won't be conscious of the pain that they carry. And they usually will blame the other for causing the destruction of their relationship. Yes. Yes. And along with that, one thing that I'm tracking with is I suppose we can just call it divine or immaculate timing. And that I feel like a question that I've come across often with folks and even myself is like, well, why now? Why, why did the awareness or the consciousness of this, of this, inner dynamic or extrinsic dynamic come about now at 47 years old or at 89 years old or, you know, at 16, like why now? And um, as someone who very much likes to reason and justify and explain things, I, I also, yeah, I mean, maybe sometimes there could be an answer, like the, the context, the person, place, environment thing that brought about the, the awareness and Sometimes we can't answer that question. And also in my own research and self-study with ancestral trauma, it's pretty wild, but sometimes there was a, there's a generational trauma from say a family member that maybe they passed, they died at 24 years old and no one talked about it. It's taboo to talk about. So just forget, forget about it. And another generation a person will come into the family system and at 24 years old they will be hit with even an, a, a very similar experience like say the death was caused by hypothermia so in their sleep they will be like shaking and frigid and they they, they feel like death is imminently upon them something like that um mm -hmm. it's pretty wild and and so that's all to say, um, just to, I, it doesn't answer the question, right? And, I, and I'd like to hear your feedback on that. No, this. I actually feel like it does, though. Yeah. Because what you're touching base on, again, it goes back into the difference between feeling your emotions and being emotionally in tune versus being too stuck in your mind and being too logical. Because when it comes to this work, you have to tune into your emotions because that's the only way to truly heal and understand 
the pain and the wounds that you carry and why you're in relationships, why you attract the relationships that you do, because it really is all emotional. It's not too much logic. When you think too much, it's you're missing the point. You know, it's a lot of what we go through, a lot of trauma. And I can say this to somebody, I've worked with Alzheimer's and dementia. So I worked with people who they lost their memory and they lost a lot of their ability to cognitively think and work their way through life. But at the same time, a lot of them dealt with trauma from World War II. A lot of them escaped Nazis and stuff from Germany. So I dealt with a lot of people who've been through that with extreme trauma and their trauma was still within their body, despite the fact that their memory was gone. So if that doesn't tell you a lot about the human condition, then I don't know what does, because I saw that very clearly. I worked with end of life for years, and I saw that with cancer patients, Parkinson's disease, all these people. That is why I focus so much on how do you feel? What is your body telling you? Because the emotions within your body and the pain that you feel, like you said, that is the language that our body speaks to us. Once we understand that our body is trying to communicate to us through physical pain and through our emotions, then we can start to listen to it and understand what it's trying to tell us instead of trying to repress what it's saying and try to ignore the message. Because a lot of us go through life not wanting to deal with the physical pain and not wanting to deal with the quote unquote difficult negative emotions. But what we don't realize is that the quote unquote negative emotions are actually here to help us, right? So we have anxiety, we have anger, we have depression, all these feelings, they're here to help us, to show us that there's something that we haven't faced that we need to work through to balance out the emotional self within our body. Because when you start to neglect grief and you start to accumulate grief throughout the years without looking back on your pain, you actually will become a person that starts to explode within relationships. You become an angry person. You can't manage that anger. So a lot of this will result within frustration, overwhelm, explosions, and things like that. That is why it's so important to be able to be emotionally fluent, emotionally intelligent, and delve deep within your feelings and listen to what your body is trying to tell you. That is the, if there's one thing that, you know, I would tell my audience and your audience to take away with is that, to hear that statement, listen to what your body is trying to tell you, whether that's through physical pain or through emotions, because it's your body's way of speaking to you and trying to communicate with you. It's not through logic and it's not through the mind and it's not through thinking the way through. Actually, if you're a person who is too logical and you're trying to think your way through problems, you're a person who also wants to control life. And that's not healthy either. At some point, you have to surrender to the life that's in front of you, whether that's a breakup, whether that's somebody who is wanting to leave you, you have to surrender to this person's choice to be able to make that decision, whether you want them to or not life is going to happen and you can't always control everything within your life, right? And when we start to ruminate with our thoughts and worry and excessively start to think about the way we can get through problems, it's because we're trying to control life itself. 
when we let go, that's the feminine, actually. That's why I love the feminine energy, because when we let go, we are within ourselves. We are within our body. We're feeling the emotions that we feel, quote unquote, good or bad, which I don't like to label it as that. But like a lot of people will say, oh, you know, anger is it doesn't feel good. Anxious anxiety doesn't feel good and things like that. And when you start to allow yourself to feel these feelings, you realize my body's just trying to tell me something. There's a message there. Once you receive the message and you take that in, you make the changes, your life will start to change. Yes, I could not iterate or emphasize what you just said anymore. And it was very, very well articulated. And it's funny that this is coming up for me now because I don't ever actually don't really like to use the term meat suit. Like whenever I hear that in reference to human, I always like cringe a little bit. But what's coming up for me now is we are not robotic meat suits. We were not planted here on this earth to just, you know, and be on our path, right? We are sentient beings hardwired for connection. Anyone who follows Brene Brown's work, she will say that over and over and over again. That is part of the human experience, right? And then you can go into like animal behavior science too, and just like look at the complexity between humans and animals and how we other than there's a couple animals such as like dolphins and horses who do hold this this sentient capacity to experience emotion on a on a somatic level um but humans really take the cake there right so i mean that that also says it all um so gosh natalia i know we could be here talking for hours and hours and we've already reached about our our hour time limit here <laughs> okay. we'll have to have another <laughs> another um podcast episode and yes just to put a little plug in here this is in the works but it'll be released here very very shortly natalia and i are holding a boundaries workshop becoming a badass at boundaries um, and it'll be held virtually on september 17th from 3 to 4 30 p.m eastern time so i will also pop the eventbrite link in the show notes that if you're talking if you're listening in and all of this resonates with you please hop on we'd love to have you um and lastly natalia where can people connect with you um in any final words you want to say yeah. So thank you for everybody who's listening. Thank you for having me on, Courtney. One thing I'm so excited about is the workshop that we're doing. The Becoming a Boundaries Badass is so important. Based off of the discussion today that we had, you can tell that boundaries is like the fundamental core of creating a healthy relationship. Because without expressing your boundaries, you're not going to be able to have that healthy relationship dynamic where you feel like you're not abandoning yourself. So we are going to be able to um, talk about this soon. That's September 17th, I believe. So look out for that as well. You can go to my website, nataliavb.com, where I have several different coaching sessions that you can apply for, all private coaching, because right now I'm just focusing on doing one-on-one work, but I will be doing courses soon. So definitely look out for that. Yay, that is all amazing. I can't wait for some of our listeners to tune in to you and the abundance of 
wealth and knowledge and um, capacity uh, to just work with you one-on-one -on -one that you hold within Natalia. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And uh, yeah, I look forward to connecting soon. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks so much.